to me, Hab? To you, Hab? Don't get the Chuckle Brothers in to help with your well-being. Go to Joe Turner and invest in your health for a change. Put your oxygen mask on first with coaching, resources and supportive community at mehab.co.uk. Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you're okay. Hope you can hear me. I'm John. Mondays and Thursdays. I still haven't changed that thing. Still says Monday and Friday, sorry. Tune in for a chat about whatever's topical in MSK practice. And obviously, we prioritise what's important. Today's topic is a very important one. Really looking forward to speaking to Kate Brown and Laura Hemmings about that. Now, a couple of minutes late is because the technology has not been behaving itself very well for us. In the, in the lead into this show. And so if you, you know you can hear me in the chat, if you're tuning in live, um, I have to go and have a, have a check and make sure that's all behaving itself. If for some reason um, the audio or the video, it's not streaming well, then I'll get Kate and Laura onto something. We'll record something and get it out to you because this topic definitely needs covering and, and that's just some reason the tech gremlins are after us today. For those of you that have been in touch um, in support and uh, suggesting episodes, it's, it's partly from that that we've really wanted to put this together with these because this subject matter is really important and clearly really important to you uh, as well. So, so really um, looking forward to getting stuck into it and how it work. Um, and if not, I will refresh it, stick with us, and we'll be with you shortly. I'll be joined by Laura and Kate. Can you hear me? Yes, just about in and out still but yeah great yeah i think there's a big delay um but yes uh, i can um yep i'm here yep can hear you fine good we've got a we've got a bit of a delay firstly then could you start off by just telling me a little bit about who you are and what you do Yep, shall I go first, Kate? Um, I am currently working an, as um, an assistant professor at the University of Birmingham, where I lecture um, about mental health um, and try and kind of weave mental health through the curricula in, in the different topics. And previously um, worked for about 10 years um, as, as a specialist in mental health um, field and also studying my PhD in the role, benefit and barriers to physiotherapy and mental health. So really interested in the discussions that come out following this podcast as well fantastic no thank you uh, so much for joining kate uh, and it does seem like it's maybe my audio that's the problem and sorry about that uh, for those letting me thank you to Lita for letting me know that but i'll do what i can i'll try and change some stuff over but uh, in the meantime kate if you can uh, let us know who are you where do you come from yep so um i'm a physiotherapist working in mental health and I've been in mental health for about eight um, as part of a really fab mental health team 
um, within inpatient acute services. Um, and my clinical speciality is within eating disorders currently. Fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you both for joining and for tolerating what seems to be bad this, uh, this afternoon. Um, one of the questions that I really feel like I wanted to, to open with, and, and the title is a bit of an unusual one, I guess, to this episode, is that when thinking about mental health and physiotherapy, there are some people that really struggle to understand and place that. Uh, and one of the reasons for it is because it really should be considered across the entire the breadth of, of the profession as well as the breadth of healthcare. Uh, one of the challenges there then is that because it ends up being at risk of being almost too vague that people struggle to understand its practical application. If, if I can, um, and I'll go to you, Laura, first, is, could I just invite your, your thoughts on its place, its interaction, its relationship, both historically and where you should feel it should be now? Yeah, so I think historically we've tended to kind of silo physical and mental health care across across healthcare professionals um, and I think it's much more recognised now that the two need to be integrated and that mind-body connection is much more um, recognised and I think we're, we're doing a really good job with that in physio kind of considering the biopsychosocial model um, really pushing for that holistic model of care um, but I still think we've got we've probably got quite a long way to go um, and I still think that a lot of the time potentially and whether that's a lack of awareness, whether that's a lack of education, um, or whether that's more a kind of clinical setup that, that makes it difficult to address the mental health in our physiotherapeutic consultations, um, it's not always um, recognised and it might not be kind of that physios have the, the confidence to address the, the mental health side of things. Um, I think in an ideal world, we'd, we'd recognise our role in the treatment of physical and mental health and try and integrate those and bring those together absolutely and do you feel that are we uh, are we tending are we trending positive for it are physiotherapists and and the awareness of it moving for the for the better um or or is it is it something that's in a steady state in your opinion I think it's probably improving. I think the recognition at least and the kind of we're asking the right questions now. So we're we're finding out whether our patients have got that kind of psychosocial side to, to their presentation. I think potentially the area where we need to now work on is what do we do with that information? So where do we right. where do we go with that? Do we just refer them on to CBT or do we recognise that actually our role in things like exercise and other potential interventions that we can offer could really support their recovery? from a physical and mental health side. Brilliant, thank you. And, and Kate, to bring you in on the same sort of general question or theme, uh, especially as someone that's expertise is then also in an area where many people wouldn't consider physiotherapy to be top of the list or near the top of the list for professionals that would be required in, in something like eating disorders. So I wondered if you could just reflect on the role uh, as you see it uh, within for physiotherapy and mental health. Yeah, I, th I think I echo what what Laura said actually about the huge huge value of it. The recognition is is much greater. I guess if I think specifically within eating disorders, there's 16 of us in the UK that work in eating disorders, um, yeah. and that's considerably more than there ever has been. Um, and I think it links in with mental health as a whole. Is that recognition is there, but where do we sit in terms of those commissioning documents and the and the funding and nice guidance? And I think that's that's a big push for us at the moment, certainly within chartered physios and mental health as a as a 
uh, specialist interest group, the CPMH. Um, we're really kind of championing that aspect as well. Um, okay. And I think, sorry, go. No, that was me just uh, agreeing along, but I've got a delay. So sorry, you <laughs> carry on, Kate. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, and, and I think it, it, I'm just echoing everything that Laura said, basically. I think we're our role is hugely about health promotion and health promotion must include mental health as well. Um, if I if I think specifically to my experience working in an inpatient acute units across all age ranges from children and adolescents up into older adults, um, where we may have referrals at, across all different ranges from a physiotherapy perspective, neurological, orthopaedic, rheumatology, MSK, um, your older adults, your deconditioning, your falls. You do have to be, like you said at the very start, a, a real generalist within a really specialist area. Um, and that's really difficult um, because, yeah, we, yeah it, it, it's spreading yourself, isn't it? Um, but I think it's so important to be advocating the fact that although patients are primarily in hospital for their mental health conditions, their physical health is just as equally as important and sometimes can hugely impact on their mental health condition and vice versa. So we need to be there positioned to be supporting both as a whole. Most people, especially I would always compliment our audience in being thoughtful on this, um, are not, they're a long way from being mind-body dualists, right? They've grown out of that. We are not uh, isolating and separating that off uh, in any way, which is which is of course promising. But where it is uh, difficult is when the infrastructure that might exist in the in the health systems, or people feel like they might be over encroaching on on, on the scope of other professions or professionals. Uh, it, it starts to become difficult because whilst they want to be truly holistic. Uh, they might be um, struggling to understand their role within that, and 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 one of the big risks, of course, is if they take on too much of that in a way, over empathise in many ways, they start to burn themselves out if they are overreaching. So it's a funny one with regards to the many uh, practitioners as well. Of course, um, it's a is a fun a fine line there. Can I get you both to reflect on where the evidence is strongest? in this space. I feel therefore the primary indications for us, you know, what's the thin end of the wedge for us to make sure we then improve both uh, awareness as well as then where we could prioritise intervention. I'll start with you again, Laura, if you would. Okay, so I think um, the evidence base is very clearly um, weighted towards exercise. So Brendan Stubbs has done a brilliant job of kind of exploring this area um, and his team have really evidenced the role of exercise to both in, as, a, as a treatment and a preventative measure for for mental health and mental illness um, and I think as the kind of I guess it's a cornerstone of our, our treatment and our kind of profession really isn't it exercise we are potentially kind of seen as experts in exercise prescription um, and I'll let Kate talk about kind of where those barriers may be and where those boundaries may be more so um, but really using that evidence to kind of think, well, how can I have that discussion with my patient? So if they're coming to into a physiotherapy consultation and they've got a chronic pain condition, because we know the high prevalence of chronic pain and, and depression and anxiety symptoms, for example, how can I talk to them, therefore, about the benefit of exercise as well? So not overreaching, not kind of counselling them around their um, mental illness, but acknowledging that mental illness um, and validating that and then saying, actually, exercise can, can or physical activity, let's move away from just the phrase exercise, physical activity can really help support your, your mental health as well as your physical health. So it will go hand in hand and maybe 
address your pain and your mood um, and just have those conversations educate patients in in that respect because i think as i say there's there's research for other areas elsewhere especially kind of on an international scale like the body sensory techniques um, and um, more psychosomatic side of things but i think here in the uk we're much more kind of inclined towards that 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 evidence base for exercise so i would definitely push that route and that conversation um, with patients Fantastic. Can I, um, sorry again about the delay, but Kate, if you in on that, especially if you could as well on the, on any of it, evidence support some of the more specific areas. Yep, I, lo I lost you at the end there, Laura, so apologies if I, I repeat anything you say. Um, I, I think also just to note, there's quite a, a big um, drive at the moment for the evidence around physical activity within suicide prevention. Um, and reducing violence and aggression within inpatient units. Um, I've been involved in discussions recently about non-contact boxing um, and actually where that place is in terms of that fine barrier when we're thinking about violence and aggression, but actually the therapeutic benefit that can come from that. And there's big pieces of research coming out now around a really, a really valid place of physical activity that is supervised and appropriate and guided within an inpatient unit. Um, and I think it's important not to not to miss off kind of our older adults and our, our dementia care, for example, and actually from a mobility functional perspective, the evidence is hugely there to support physiotherapy within older adults um, and falls prevention and reducing falls related injury as well. Um, if we think about from a, an eating disorder perspective, Laura kind of touched on, actually, there are some clinical settings where there is huge evidence to support the importance of addressing exercise in a healthy way um, and that's one big part that we're we're playing as physios with an eating disorders at the moment is that we know that as part of that illness exercise can become a real maintaining factor and actually become quite dysfunctional so physiotherapy absolutely as exercise specialists we come in and we support that re-education of how to find that healthy balance with exercise as a an individual a patient is recovering from their eating disorder so that there is a reduced risk of relapse rate um, and chronicity of the illness um, and exercise education plays a huge part in that and that's where physio comes in yeah a really good example and one where um admittedly there's there's areas of this discussion where I, I, I'm, uh, I'm i'm certainly weaker and very much a student and then there are other areas where i'm a bit stronger purely because those that have come before you teaching me about this stuff, particularly when it came to things like understanding red S, understanding metabolic disorders, understanding lookouts, uh, especially for uh, young athletic women coming through and, and, and disrupting their physiologically with a combination of eating disorders and compulsive exercise. That it, it brings me on to action uh, for want of a better term. So things that might be then as because a lot of our audience job in MSK clinicians um, specializing in pain and injury, um, those sorts of um, making sure we recognize and then make that decision as to whether to make a sensible first intervention or to refer signpost. Uh, but the awareness of it for therapists is super important. And, and so I just wondered if you guys had any top tips for uh, what the classic lookouts are. You know, are there, are there ways in which you feel um, people could could just be um, recognising and keeping their spidey senses uh, readied uh, for when that might happen? 
I'd say the main thing there is really listening to our patients. I think it really comes back to that, really understanding them, asking them those open-ended questions around how their pain makes them feel. Um, and then and then understanding kind of when that started making them feel that way, which one might have come first? How, how do we kind of, how do they both impact each other to then recognize, okay, this is somebody that might need something alongside their physio I'm not saying that I mean there are times maybe where um, a patient their, their priority might not be physio and it might be that they need some CBD or some psychological input prior to that physio but I would normally suggest that actually if they're at that point of coming to see you as a physiotherapist and they've come to an appointment then it is one of their priorities and it might be something that instead of saying no you've got something psychological going on I'm going to refer you elsewhere it's integrating that and working alongside those CBT specialists or bringing in other other elements and, and working with our MDT colleagues to make sure that we're giving them physio and other elements. But truly listening, truly understanding, um, I think is the, is the central component because there's so many different presentations. A patient with depressive symptoms can present so differently from another. So it's very difficult to say there's something exactly to look out for other than really understanding and building that rapport fantastic yeah and, uh, and 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 same again Kate if you anything to add to that yeah I kind of really important skills that we all have as physios um it's just kind of widening it isn't it into kind of a, a holistic approach to be thinking about are there barriers to engagement in activity I think about it from from an eating disorder perspective as well, thinking, are there any kind of warning signs that a, a patient presents possibly with a, a musculoskeletal condition that's come from overuse with from dysfunctional exercise? Um, yet, actually, that's really difficult for an individual potentially to be disclosing information about an eating disorder. They may not be at a stage where they're able to do that. Yet what you're what you're kind of marrying up is how well are they engaging in my treatment are they actually able to manage the advice and guidance that i'm giving them in terms of even for example in terms of rest and recovery of an msk injury for example but what you're expecting to see as part of that recovery process doesn't happen that kind of would make me wonder actually how challenging is this relationship with exercise that this individual really has? And can I be supporting them from that perspective too? We're obviously not going to be spending a kind of a, an outpatient appointment talking about a whole education session around dysfunctional exercise and how it links with their eating disorder, but perhaps perhaps kind of just flagging with them about, well, actually, I, I, I'm a little bit unclear as to why I'm not seeing the improvements that I would be expecting to see based on the advice and guidance that I've been giving to you. Is there anything else that we can be thinking about supporting you with or signposting to? And then that kind of links in with, with other additional support that could be available. <laughs> No, that's fantastic. And, that, and that's where um, sometimes it can be uh, tricky to really comprehend until you just give that a whirl, you know, recognising that level of, of what it is you might use as a, as a, as a, a light touch or even more meaningful uh, intervention as long as you've got the skill set and competence uh, and knowing where that is appropriately uh, guidance and signposting. Uh, where you make sure you don't end up being out of your out of your depth and, and feeling uncomfortable, you know, it's a, it's a it's a fine line. One of the examples I feel like I wanted to just to share with you, um, especially locally, we've had a number of, of um, charities sprung up and doing great work in, in, in improving 
improving community talking therapies, demedicalizing healthcare where necessary, um, including uh, the reason I mentioned locally is because there's a, a particularly northern charity called called uh, Andy's Man Club. I don't know if you're aware of, but it's trying to get um, talking therapies amongst groups of men every Monday night. Uh, the reason I found that interesting is because they've never really considered uh, physiotherapy as being an, an interesting uh, partnership. Uh, whereas when when you um, witness any of these these conversations, I've been there as a, as a punter myself, but also then taking patients there. And they don't necessarily realise just how much some of the things that they're then trying to encourage, which is not just the you know, talking, channeling someone to challenge, uh, ch- uh, get himself functionally, you know. Uh, made that to get to get into the gym or to exert themselves or to, to encourage them to active um, active play even and just re-engaging. Uh, they don't realise necessarily how the the guidance of, a, of an appropriately thoughtful physio or, or physio service would be a brilliant a conduit to that because there were so many that have made made massive strides from talking about it. But now what? And what else could I what could I do for myself as I try and reemerge from this? And I've, I've not, I'm not I'm no longer keeping it to myself. But is that it? We just we just keep talking about it. Um, and so it's a really interesting opportunity, I think, uh, for physios of all all types and stripes to um, just try to recognise that get, getting people to scale their functional ability as a as a core skill uh, and reassuring them where appropriate that, that it's safe to do so can be a massive superpower in this area uh, and as long as we know then who what what is available locally it can it can make a massive massive difference uh, admittedly when it comes to some of the um the the more specialist areas or when things get more serious and there's, there's more overt say psychopathology um that is something that, that people do get dare i say a, a bit nervous about or sometimes are uh, I've been told, uh, even by GPs that we've worked with before, sometimes a bit trigger happy on referral. Um, so, could you give us some top tips on some of the sort of mental health first aid side, where someone might um, suggest say, suicidal ideation or or show signs of being in quite significant distress, uh, whereby it would be smart to uh, aware of that uh, urgently. I think that's where your recognition and, and validation and acknowledgement comes in of actually discussing with that individual that actually I can see that things are, are quite difficult for you at the moment. What support do you do you currently have? Um, what support maybe can I offer you to signpost you to um, so that there's, there is that potential for that onward support? Yeah, and to, and to add to that, I guess, and I think I... I agree that sometimes those obvious kind of um, pathways are not always there so when we ask those questions and we identify that maybe somebody is experiencing suicidal ideation the pathway is not obviously clear um, and especially for our kind of potentially for our newer physios it's knowing what to do with that information um, and I, I think just making sure that you're making people aware of that so if they are kind of immediately feeling like they are potentially kind of suicidal it's the same way as we treat any other red flag really we would get them kind of seen it might be like immediate referral speak to their gp that just needs to be addressed there and then um so i think it, it needs to be there needs to be more awareness of those pathways and those integrated pathways need to be more easily accessible and i think that will come as we develop this kind of more closer links between mental health services and physical health services but it's potentially yeah. still a long way in the making yeah fantastic no that's, that's great thank you i've got a few comments from from those that are tuning in live many thanks for those um marie donahue is that how you spell it no probably not how you spell it, how pronouncing that sorry it's like when 
guests will, will mention celebrities in their field that I don't know the name of. So apologies to Graham for this, but uh, Vanguard of Research and Impact of Exercise in these areas. Is that a name you guys are familiar with? Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. just, me, just, just me then, sorry. Um, there's a comment here. They may not recognize it as a problem at all. So even when asked directly and pointed in a direction, it can still be viewed as something completely irrelevant. Is that a classic sort of barrier? Have you got a, a, a favorite way of sort of making sure the penny drops? I think it's repetitive. What I find is actually that individual might not be at that stage of being able to, in terms of their kind of motivation of change, their recognition of their, their difficulties that they're facing. being the same at a point when that individual is able to then recognize it um so yeah yeah i think that that's that's a really good point isn't it it's timing is everything on something like this and as a therapist you you, you shouldn't burden yourself in thinking that the right the right phrase delivered at exactly this moment would be would work and that to some degree you've got to you've got to uh, recognize that it might be that the, this it might be the next time of asking that this might land well um, and not to burden yourself too much with that pressure here's an interesting one from talita can i just throw in here that cbt is not always indicative for lots of reasons perhaps uh, maybe you guys are only using it as an example but i felt it important to point out what your 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 thoughts on that i, I didn't necessarily hear you guys suggesting it is a is a catch all although that is a, a trend in in some ways you know that the, there is a there is a holy grail uh, that is cbt so just reflect on that if you would so i think I, I think i mentioned it when talking about exercise um alongside other psychological interventions such as cbt i probably refer to cbt because there is a interesting recent study um well i say st recent 2018 by uh, matt holgren where they looked at exercise alongside internet-based cbt um, and the impact that that exercise delivered kind of by a qualified professional can have for patients. Um, so I think that's probably why CBT, but yeah, definitely just an example and lots of other kind of um, pathways that you might go along or other treatments that you might consider. And I think if I could just chip in, sorry, that's just reiterates the fact that we work as an MDT and that's where linking in with our clinical psychology colleagues uh, is absolutely vital because they're the specialist in the in terms of guiding and leading on the psychological interventions that that individual may may receive yeah that's that's very true and and um understanding and helping to get better comprehension of each other's professions uh, guidance scope um, is only going to help in that direction and and working shoulder to shoulder there's no, there's no way better than that is that um, here's an interesting one thank you Nicola for the comment she said how do you see the future of mental health services how do we best share with students new qualified practitioners that mental health is an exciting and varied career option because there's lots of stigma and fear around it firstly would you would you agree with Nicola's last assertion over it being stigma and fear and then uh, how would you overcome it if you have any suggestions I think that, yeah, there, there is, I mean, the literature shows there's a lot of stigma and fear. We're actually doing um, a study at the moment, which I will shamelessly promote our survey, um, where we're trying to understand that stigma and fear and what current practicing physiotherapists across all areas of physiotherapy think and their experiences of working with patients with mental illness so we can improve that confidence and try and overcome um, that, that stigma. But I think for, for students and newly qualified, 
it's it's understanding it's it's weaving that into the education system it's it's promoting that awareness and wherever we can giving that experience as well um because as kate said there's very few eating disorders physios there's still very few mental health specialist physios as well so trying mm. to get those placement experiences out there if we can and if we can't well can they go into kind of any area we've just discussed that due to like level of comorbidities any physio is likely to come across a patient with with a mental illness and reflect upon that experience of working with with patients with mental illness outside of specialist settings as well and use that as a learning environment too yeah absolutely i think that's a great shout and, and graham's making a, a point here it must be in the curriculum he mentioned earlier as well a, a point that i didn't bring forward important to introduce to students this area of practice both in practice and in uni and that last point is, is crucial not just in theory, but then how does that apply in practice? I found it really interesting where sometimes, um, and we've had this on this show recently as well, is that undergraduate uh, curricula, everyone wants their own favourite thing in there. Uh, but things like this need to be woven throughout. It's not a module. It's not a slideshow. It's, it's not a placement if you cross your fingers that someone's thoughtful on this stuff it's something that much like uh, my colleague Alistair Beverly is the learning disability physio and and that he's a lot long said that it's not that I'm trying to get a couple of slides into your curricula that a few people are paying attention to it's more that then in case studies these things are brought to bear as how it would intersect with clinical areas so that people can realize that these things are sometimes separate when hyper-specialised, but rarely. It's mainly how these things will affect every last thing we do from respiratory through to sports physio and realising and bringing that to bear in case studies, both in practice and at uni. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, soapboxing a little bit there. Feel free to disagree in case you need to um, on that last point. And what I'm seeing as well is, is a lot more requests from universities for us, certainly within our team and our colleagues. And I know that's it's the same nationally as well, of, of actually encouraging us to come in and talk about mental health physio and how that's right. applicable in, in different clinical settings. We've just had a, a really fab student on placement with us in our team who was able to even reflect themselves about you know what this all of that all of this that i've just learned is so applicable to my next placement and my next placement my next placement and, uh, and she was actually super motivated to be able to take that back to her university and share that with her peers and i think that's a really valuable experience because a lot of students that we have that come into our team even come in and they're really honest wasn't quite sure what to expect as part of this placement but at the end of it actually going away and thinking no it has such a valuable role that we we can play and the the transition into other clinical settings as well is really is really important superb no thank thank you so much for your time both i noticed we're, we're, we're out of time i started it slightly late so we're just going to wrap up um many thanks to those that have contributed on the live show but i am very aware of course that most of you tune in on your commutes or after the fact so if you have missed the live stream but you still have some comments and questions please do put them in the chat or email info at physio-matters.com and they will be forwarded and, and integrated into future content that we create um also for the two of you if i can just invite you to uh, point people in the direction of any of your work but also any, any interactions that you you're, you're inviting from social media etc so uh yeah firstly you laura um yeah so i will kind of recommend if you're interested in this area really looking at the cpmh website we've got a lot of resources so that's chart videos in mental health website um, there's lots of resources um, and interesting um information on study days as well there um and again if you, I'm on Twitter and quite quite relatively active on Twitter at 
Laura Hemmings PT. So please kind of, if you're interested in the survey that I mentioned earlier, that's accessible there. Um, and just for kind of general chatter and advice around mental health physio, please do contact me through there. Superb. And, and UK? Yeah, I echo about the CPMH website. I think it's a really helpful kind of pool of resources. Mm. What's that URL, sorry? CPMH, so Chartered Physiotherapist in Mental Health Care. Is that .co.uk, .org.uk? Sorry I'd to put you on the spot. Org.uk. <laughs> I'm looking to Laura there to maybe correct me. We can maybe share it on the chat if that would be helpful. <laughs> I'm going to um, do that. That's what I was going to do. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to be clever and do it on the fly, but let's make sure we get the right one. Sorry, you carry on, Kate. I'll find absolutely. out. Absolutely. And, and a little subgroup and tab with on that CPMH website is our Chartered Physios in Eating Disorder Network Group as well, which links references um, that would be relevant to physios in mental health, but also other physios in other areas that are interested in mental health. So this is this is this is funny. This is why we all uh, we always have to check the URLs um, because the CP CPMH.org.uk is the Charlotte Pratt Memorial Hall in Winkfield Bracknell. So feel free, anyone that's interested to visit that website, which I'm sure is pleasant, but not the one that we're meaning to signpost. So I will I will get that, uh, I'll get that URL put on the chat and obviously be sharing that on social media because this has been such a fascinating chat. I think Laura's lost our um, audio. And so Laura, do you want to finish with sign language? Um, she, I don't think she can hear us. Oh. <laughs> so we'll... We'll wrap up. We'll wrap up without without Laura. Um, but uh, thank you so much for your time, uh, Kate. And um, and I, I'll definitely be in touch and, and and signposting people to this as well as other work that you guys do, including then raising uh, awareness of how people can get involved in the special interest group. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. International sign language for bye. See you later, Laura. Take care. Bye bye.